0: On the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G.
1: Scott and Ursula Wojty. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. And thank you for listening to the G and Ursula Show. Ursula, it's good to have you with us here
0: this morning. Good morning. Oh, good morning to all of you. We have another very, very full show for you coming up after Heather's newscast at 930. Did a new law aimed at keeping families together... Play a role in a baby's death. This is just such a tragic story, and we're going to do a deep dive into it when Kate Stone joins us. 888 973 5476 888 cairo is our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. And we love it when you interact with us on the text line or on our G and Ursula Show Facebook page. I think we're ready to go. Top
1: stories of the day brought to you by Wayscarf 40, Susu and Auburn.
0: And as you heard in Heather's newscast, the city of Seattle is going to be paying $10 million to settle a lawsuit by protesters injured by police during the 2020 demonstrations following the murder of George Floyd. As part of the deal, the city admits no wrongdoing. Karen Kohler is an attorney for the plaintiffs. They should have said, we're sorry that we were punks and brutalized peaceful protesters. The lawsuit claimed one of the protesters had a heart attack after getting hit by an SPD blast ball. Dozens of others suffered hearing loss, concussions, broken bones. Uh, Bruce Tom says SPD's response to the BLM protests was over the top.
2: Naturally,
1: of course, I would want to disperse for my safety the way they were blasting everybody. But I just found it such an irony when they were saying, you know, move, move, move. And when you try to move, they would shoot at you.
0: In a statement, City Attorney Ann Davison says the settlement was the best financial decision for Seattle, considering the risk, cost, and insurance. And uh, she said it had already cost the city a lot of money and resources, and a trial would have dragged on for months.
1: Well, Ursula, back in 2020, June of that month, uh, that's when it was all going down, but uh, a federal judge at that time had found that evidence that the Seattle Police Department used excessive force and violated the free speech rights of thousands of demonstrators. That was in June of 2020. He actually said said, quote, that on some occasions the SPD has in fact used less lethal weapons disproportionately and without provocation. In instances where looting or vandalism was occurring, the judge said police should have gone after the offenders and not turned their weapons on the entire crowd. The upshot being that the department deprived everyone who wasn't breaking the law their constitutional right to gather and protest.
0: Well, my question is, so what has happened since then with SPD? So, it, you know, I understand what we were dealing with in 2020 was unprecedented. Um, but th- this this payout comes on the heels of, of what the city already paid out, what, $3 million nearly uh, to settle last year, that lawsuit filed by the business owners on Capitol Hill because of CHOP, mm-hmm. CHAZ. Right. Um, and. Um, the officers in the case with these protesters they were uh, criticized because instead of uh, dealing with individual protesters, uh, they targeted the entire crowd. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are a lot of people who may be listening right now and saying, "Well, wait a minute, there were also protesters who were actually rioting and and you know damaging buildings and you know doing." These were th- that's not what we're talking about here. I mean, I have zero patience or a sympathy when you're talking about people who are protesting and, uh, and causing that kind of damage. But I mean, you should have the right to peacefully protest. Mm-hmm. and uh one of the things uh that was uh, that that came out of it here is um uh, Ann Davison said that her office went through hundreds of interactions between the protesters and police went through ten thousand videos, more than a million pages of records and the city's position was that hey, if you're gonna be protesting out there, you should assume the risk of being injured if you choose to go out in the middle of these massive demonstrations mm-hmm. but I mean a judge had already rejected that argument. Since, of course, people have the right to the their First Amendment, uh, you know, f- freedom of speech, and uh, they should be able to peacefully protest. Where are those text messages at? Oh yeah, that's a, a whole nother thing too. Okay, you, 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 <laughs> you know mean, what I mean. Yeah, the text message. The, the, the text messages between the police
1: chief at the time, between the mayor and p- between the fire chief. All those text messages, you know, the ones that got erased.
0: Yeah, the ones. That all those were deleted. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm not surprised that there's ten million dollars. Uh, Another 10 million dollars. But whenever whenever you see these payouts, it's like my question is, so what has changed? Have you have you uh, changed anything to learn from what happened and the mistakes made in the past?
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things that when you and I went down to see what was going on and chop chass, whatever you guys want to call it, we knew then, oh, there's going to be lawsuits from this. We knew then that that was going the way it was going. The way people yeah, were it was being like stopped, businesses in the street, were taken, businesses hostage, taken basically. over, and all those things. We knew that this would be a problem. I tell you what, we didn't know. We didn't know that text messages would be erased and all the other fallout that would come from it. But uh, man, that's what happens when leadership's going on at that time. <laughs>
0: More fallout, speaking of which, more fallout now from that near disaster on a Boeing 737 MAX. The company has paused production of its thir- 737 jets at its rent and plant today as part of a safety stand down. Apparently, there are going to be a bunch of those in uh, the months and years to come. At the same time, federal regulators have also announced unprecedented restrictions on how fast the company can build the planes. Now, this doesn't, this is really unusual. The FAA now says it's not going to allow Boeing to increase its 737 MAX production rates until the company can prove its quality control meets safety regulations. Of course, this all comes after a door panel blew off that Alaska Airlines Max 9 jet following takeoff earlier this month. Boeing's CEO, Dave Calhoun, is going to be back on Capitol Hill today. He's going to be meeting with more senators after holding talks yesterday. And CBS's Peter Greenberg says the company's inspection process is is being scrutinized. Boeing was allowed for years, as many manufacturers were before them, to have their own employees inspect the safety of the planes. They were called
1: FAA-designated employees or FAA-designated inspectors, but they were on the payroll of Boeing. That screams of a conflict of interest. That's what's going to be talked about today on Capitol Hill, and there's every reason to believe that the FAA is going to have to get an independent agency to do those inspections moving forward.
0: I mean, it's just, there's so many layers. Imagine that. Like, why someone wouldn't have thought there would be some kind of conflict of interest. But uh, the, another thing that has happened, the online travel website, Kayak, which I use all the time, well, now they allow customers. So so if you go on there, you can actually go in and use the filter to exclude Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes from your options.
1: There, there are so many layers to this discussion, but I found one little bit that I wanted to Talk to you about, and it was actually in what Senator Cantwell had to say. I want to take her quote, and the reason why I'm taking this quote is because when Ursula, when I said it last week, I kind of felt bad like, well, I can't really, I shouldn't have said that. I actually thought that, and I've actually gotten this said to me in a text message, and I've also seen it on the text message on here. She says, the American flying public and Boeing line workers deserve a, cult, a, a culture of leadership at Boeing that puts safety ahead of profits. Yes. Uh, so when I said that last week, and I was talking about that, I was just kind of like, you know, we do radio, and so I was just saying those things. And some things, I sometimes I say things, I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. I really felt that way. But I want to talk about just that. Is that what most people think? Do most people think oh. about Boeing that they have put profits ahead of safety? And if that is so, if that's true, if most people believe that, how in the world do you bounce back from that? Yeah. We're talking about safety in the air. Not not the cars where you can get a fender bender. We're talking about safety in the air, Ursula.
0: Oh. Well, that's and, and that's a whole thing. I'm going to answer your question right oh, after we bad. go to Mickey Gomez for traffic real quick.
2: Thank you so much, Ursula. So, yeah, we heard an earlier crash on Uneddy Westbound just west of 405. It led to that vehicle fire in the HOV lane with everyone on the scene. We're finding out right now that it has cleared. Uh, however, you still have a 50 minute commute. Traffic does back up to Eastgate. It's trying to thin out. Even if you decide to take 520, you've got about 50 ahead of you. Cairo News Radio, real time
0: traffic. I'm Mickey Gomez. Okay, so getting back to your question about putting uh, profits over safety, I mean, that's one of the problems is that Boeing had been promising to speed up its production to get more planes out um, again. And, and why is that? Because obviously you can sell more, make more, more money. Um, and uh, you heard about the inspection process. I mean, if, if you're cutting corners to – if you're cutting corners, outsourcing to, to again to save money to do all this, and and then you've got you know cozy relationships that that maybe make it so that you're not really looking you're you're more worried about getting the plane out the door than actually making sure that it's airworthy. Um, that is a huge problem and one that yeah how, how do you how do you fix that well. Every single expert that I've I've read now has said that's going to require culture change and leadership change. And it starts at the top.
1: Well, what were you going to say? Well we know how long sometimes culture and uh, culture and leadership change. well yeah, takes. but when,
0: when you're when you're talking about stocks dropping, your your number one uh, airline customers, Alaska Airlines and United, both yeah. saying,, uh, wait a minute, we're hacked off about this, and this is affecting our bottom line too. No, there's going to be very real pressure. but, but no, 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 no no I, no
1: no, I believe no, you're right in what you're saying. I'm just saying realistically to get away from Boeing just in general, Fixing yeah. culture and leadership is not an overnight thing, no. right? So this is something no. like this might. I'm, I don't know how this might stay with Boeing for a while. Well,
0: and that's the sad thing. Already, Airbus is is beating Boeing in terms of sales, and, and I mean, handily beating Boeing. And that used to not be the case. It used to be just neck and neck, and oftentimes Boeing be on top. I mean, this is t- this is the company is taking a huge hit, uh, and it's really sad. And I, I hope that uh, Boeing can make good, but I think it's going to take uh, dramatic changes. Okay. So who dumped a truckload of boulders outside a homeless services center in Puyallup? So back in November, tons of rocks mysteriously appeared on this grassy patch outside the New Hope Resource Center. Now, the city of Puyallup is finally admitting, yep, it was us. Uh, We wanted to keep homeless tents out of there or or just basically keep people from congregating there. (laughs) And earlier this month, city spokesperson Eric Johnson told the News Tribune, the city does not and will never dump rocks onto private property. But then on January 19th, Johnson told the News Tribune, Well, we placed stones on our property to preserve that space from getting damaged uh, because in the past we've had issues with maintaining the vegetation in that section. Okay, we're talking about a patch of grass. The salon owner next to New Hope tells Fox 13.
2: Vegetation like. I don't. I, I'm not falling for that. They didn't clean the grass out. They just dumped the rocks.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Michael Dolan tells Fox 13, "Those boulders took away the only spot where he can hang out. He and others, uh, while waiting for services to help the homeless, and he thinks they're trying to send him a message. I mean, the city's probably always against homeless people in the so that salon owner that you heard from, Jessica Kingsbury, she says the homeless are now just hanging out in an alley and the rocks are an eyesore.
2: There has to be a solution besides dumping rocks in an area and thinking that's going to fix it.
0: Uh, in fact, uh, they're trying to come up with a solution in Olympia. There is a bill that would stop this kind of, quote unquote, hostile architecture. Um uh, th- basically, th- which is aimed at trying to keep homeless encampments from popping up. Can
1: I ask you something, mm. Have you ever looked at uh, one of those uh, boulders and thought, this is unfair? Have you Have you ever, has anybody ever looked at those boulders and thought, man, this is the reason why we have this homelessness crisis right here? Have you, oh, no. look, I'll answer the, it.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. The boulders and this so-called hostile architecture, and and, and I'm going to include... When we were talking about the eco blocks, the tra- people are you- frustrated. People are very frustrated that that um, not enough is being done. And so <laughs> it, this is a band aid solution to a, a problem that is much, much deeper. So thank you. Th- yeah. Thank the, you. The, the boulders or the fencing or the, you know, whatever it is, the loud music being blared, um, it, it, it's, it seems callous. But I also understand that feeling like, wait, we're, we're, it, it's a short-term solution to a much bigger problem. I would like to say, though, I mean, when it comes to Olive, not just owning up to it is, is embarrassing on their yeah, behalf. Just, just, just like, tell why? the public what you're exactly. doing. Why, it's why? fine. No one's really going to complain about it. But when it comes to the state, the state spent nearly $700,000 yes. to place boulders at an encampment off Slater-Kinney. So think about that. Or nearly five, three quarters yeah. of a million dollars that they've spent on boulders instead of housing. And from a priorities perspective, that seems like a waste of money. It is a big waste. Uh, there was actually um, so Matt Markovich covered this mm-hmm. in Olympia. So this activist testified against this practice in Olympia.
1: Come on, we're spending money on rocks. it could be housing people, building tiny home villages, doing something that could actually improve people's lives.
0: I mean, a lot of truth to that $700,000 tiny homes that would be at least what a couple three or four
1: I was trying. I, I was just trying to get through this topic without really, really giving my opinion on this because I'm just telling you right now I'm not I, I'm not I'm not mad at it I'm not going to be someone that's going to oppose it because you do have businesses out here that they can't do anything else. And sometimes a rock being right there might help the tent being put up in front of their home. And then somebody will say, well, gee, you're not being empathetic to those that are unhoused. No, I am sick and tired of talking about these little things. Like, talking about these boulders right now, agree, $700,000, sure, it's a lot of money. No question about it. Hostile architect is being called. How about some of the hostile salaries that's being paid and nothing is being? done about this continual problem. I'll tell you, you want to fix this problem? You want to really put a dent in this problem? Here we go. UBI. Let's get some universal basic income so people can have some money in their pocket because there's a lot of people right now that are on the verge of homelessness. Also, build more housing, Ursula. If we build more housing here, then we have the cost of housing won't be skyrocketed like it is. Oh, one more thing. Can we have wages go up there? Because rent has gone up 20% in the last three years. Wages have yeah. not. People are struggling. And, and, so,
0: and what, you're missing one big one. What's that? But you also need to address the drug addiction and mental health issues. Oh, no, that, no, yeah, no that's no doubt. Huge.
1: But that's what, So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I've never... I hope that we're not looking at boulders out here and being like, this is the problem. I hope not, because we got huge problems, and the boulders yeah. isn't one of them. But I need to drink some more coffee. <laughs> Coming up next here on the G.N. Ursa Show, this is a very a sad situation to discuss, but there is a new law aimed at keeping families together, and we'll talk about what that is next. General.
0: Gian Ursula Show. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. As always, we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888 973 5476 888 973 Cairo. After a three week old baby died in his father's care in Port Townsend, uh, there are questions now that are emerging about a state law that was passed last year. Our reporter Kate Stone joins us live in studio. Uh, Kate, this whole thing is so tragic. Tell us first about what happened in this case with the baby.
2: Yeah, it's an incredibly tragic case out of Port Townsend. Essentially, what happened is that the baby was left in the care of his father, Jordan Sorensen, by DCYF, which is the Department of Children and Youth Services. And he... They're not quite sure of what the how the circumstances developed, but the father is now in custody, suspected of kidnapping the child and hiding the child's body in a local park there in Port Townsend. He actually led the police to the child's body. The circumstances of that child's death, not yet clear. Autopsy results are pending. So the father is not facing specific charges in the baby's death. He is facing charges for hiding the body. However, it is causing people like the Jefferson County prosecutor, James Kennedy, to take a second look at this law. So the law is called the Keeping Families Together Act. It was passed last year by lawmakers. Essentially what it does is it raises the standards by which state workers can take a child out of a parent's care. And it specifically says that things like drug use or homelessness are not on their own factors that can cause the state to take a child from its home. There needs to be imminent physical harm and those don't qualify as imminent physical harm under this law okay so so james kennedy the prosecutor says state workers hands are kind of tied but he thinks that this law needs to change when they passed this
1: law what occurred in port townsend is not something that should have caught
2: anybody by surprise Now, there is a bill right now, Representative Travis Couture, who represents the 35th District, he has introduced a bill that would immediately remove children from homes where there is fentanyl. Now, James Kennedy, the prosecutor, he said he can't make any speculations or exactly connect these two things, these two cases, and he can't say for sure if there might have been a different outcome in this case if this law didn't exist, but he did say... We
1: do think that... Drug use was occurring or had occurred in the run up to the death of the child.
2: And the father, Jordan Sorensen, and the mother both had a history of homelessness and also fentanyl use. The baby was actually born on Christmas Day with fentanyl in his system. And that is why this this particular case at this particular time when this bill is being considered is getting so much attention simply because Representatives in the, in the legislature are saying, well, this is a perfect example of, of why this law should be changed because it is causing families essentially to stay together when they shouldn't be.
1: The name of the law is the Keeping Families Together Act, but it seems to completely ignore that there are some families that should not have been kept together.
0: I mean, and and that makes sense, but it's also crystal clear after something bad happens. You know, in in many cases, it's hard to make that. And if you're... um tendency or or your goal is to keep the families together right. you're going to err on the side of keeping them okay, together, keeping them together exactly. versus mm-hmm. okay uh, because i know even the bill that's going currently in olympia right. it's getting a lot of pushback even from doctors who are saying that's not the right thing to do right. either right um
2: yeah and it's a difficult thing and the law was passed with the best intentions in mind as to not yank children from homes where there's a, you know where there can be a safety plan put in place or things like that and and james kennedy was clear that he doesn't believe this is the state's fault because they were simply following the law and they didn't have a lot of options because of the way that this law is written but the intent of it is now being questioned because while it's intended obviously it's called the keeping families together act to help keep children you know out of foster care if there's a possibility right. that they could have a safe Home and actually, in this particular situation, Jordan Sorensen was living with another person who had set up at what they called a safe living situation. Right. They had come up with a safety plan. He was required to do urine tests every week, and he stopped complying with those. State workers couldn't contact him. I was going to say, weren't State
0: workers saying
2: they, find, they feared
0: exactly yes, like something like con- this would happen. They
2: contacted the Port Townsend police when he did when he stopped communicating with them and that's what led to the discovery of the baby's body
1: yeah sometimes you hear things like this you you just wonder if um i mean i don't know this but you wonder what their budget is you want to you want to know like uh, how much money is in this because if they could do more if they can make the laws a little bit more if they had more in their budget to do these things right and so we hear this story i mean first of all this story is just it's a very sad story, but I'm trying to see how, even going forward, they can continue to do more. And if they would want to do more, if it comes down to money. Yeah, Does that make sense, I, what, I, I'm, what I'm saying? I'm not gave-
0: really, because I, I don't know that it had anything to do with money. I think that that the the feeling was, could, could, would, would their hands be tied knowing that there is this push to keep families together? Well... Yeah, he is a known drug user, but does that eliminate him from having custody of his case? I'm just t- I'm talking about just more checks and balances. No, I you actually oh. have a great point because
2: yeah. DCYF did say that their caseworkers handle hundreds if not thousands of cases. So they have to make
0: they have to make quick decisions.
2: And unfortunately okay. fentanyl has has grown out of proportions according to the data they said between 2022 and 2023 it is it is, just then it has exploded 67% of the child overdose drug deaths have been due to fentanyl. That was in 2022, and they say that's why this bill is targeting fentanyl in particular. Now we don't know if that's what happened in this case. We are still waiting on those autopsy results, which should come out in the coming days. But they say this is, you know, a lens by which to look at this law and maybe make some changes. Kate, thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, that's a really
1: sad sad, sad story. But uh, I only went along that because every. Just said, me, every social worker that I have known, I've always asked, How in the world do you have that many cases? Like, how is that even possible to have that many? So imagine you calling your social worker and you're like, Hey, that social worker probably might not get back to you for at least a couple days because they are so inundated with so many other cases and files and stuff.
0: No, I totally hear. I, so, I understand
1: that. Coming up next here on the GNRS show, we need to talk. I, I had a question for you. My son, he has dreads. And if you were the superintendent of a school, would it be okay for him to wear dreads at your school? Would you have a problem with it? Okay, we need you to answer that right now, but we'll talk about it next. Gene Ursula. stood outside of Taylor Swift's Manhattan townhouse about 30 times. Guess what city he's from? (laughs) We'll talk about that at 10 o'clock. But right now, we need to talk. Now, I ask you, would you be okay if you were the superintendent, if my son would come to school at your school with dreads? A lot of you commented. Maybe you might change your mind after hearing this. I don't know. Let's see. Since August 31st, black, a black high school student in Texas has been serving an in-school suspension for having his hair in dreadlocks. Daryl George, a junior at Barbers Hill High School in the Houston area, was suspended the same week a new state law went into effect outlawing racial discrimination based on hairstyle. Daryl's mother, Darisha, tells NBC how the district explained the suspension. I had a meeting with the principal and assistant principal and they said that it's because, um, The Crown Act doesn't
0: cover the length of his hair.
1: The code stipulates that hair length cannot extend beyond the eyebrows or past the bottom of the earlobes. Even though Daryl's locks are kept tight and on top of his head, the district has kept Daryl off-site learning by himself while he serves his in-school suspension. In recent weeks, check this out, the district superintendent, Greg Poole, took out a full-page ad no. in the Houston Chronicle defending the suspension, writing, quote, being an American requires conformity with the positive benefit of unity. A trial date has been ordered for next month to settle the matter. Daryl just wants to be able to learn with his friends. I'd like to go back to class and do what I do, what I do, do what I need to do to get my education. Ursula.
0: First of all, imagine going through these great lengths to make a point. And I'm talking about, in this case, the district. So the state has already passed a law that says you cannot discriminate against uh, basically hairstyles. And the only difference is that he wears his locks. uh, The description was he wears a neatly tied and twisted locks on top of his head. So shouldn't that basically take take care of the whole length and we're we're arguing over the length of his hair Mm -hmm. and it's really uh, it's it's like two people who have decided they've drawn the the line in the sand and they're just not going to budge and meantime an an 18 year old is not getting an education a full education the district is spending oodles of money to try to to defend this i mean I could make an argument, and and I know what argument the district's going to use. But I'm thinking, really?
1: Well, I, I, whatever their argument is, let's just say that there is an argument. I think the worst part to this story. Now, I look, it, it is crazy. I don't know. Some about doing the show every day. The fact that you guys are texting in right now, and you guys are all agreeing with Ursula and I. Something's up with y'all. Y'all been agreeing with G too much. But <laughs> but no, I, I want to say this is the worst part. The worst part of this story, sure, he's been suspended. Sure, I can't believe they're doing this. The district superintendent took out a full-page ad in a Houston Chronicle that said, being an American requires conformity with the positive benefit of unity. This dude took to the papers to defend and tell the world, this is why we're suspending—like, do you
0: you need to conform. I mean, I understand he's, it, that, that he's trying to say, well, you know, you need to follow the rules, and if people don't follow the rules, but look what you're arguing at this point. I mean, this is obviously, and, and, and again, there is a law on the books right now that says uh, you cannot uh, penalize people because of hair texture or, or protective hairstyles, including afros, braids, locks, twists, or bantu knots. I mean, he's got the locks. Yeah. And it's just they're tight they're, they're, on top of his head and everything. Exactly, it's like they're trying to, to just um, you know pick the the littlest thing and, and use that as a, a reason to go to this length.
1: I I look at this story and I look at a lot of stories that we're talking about and I want just to remind people. Yes, I always say we're in 2024, but the reminder should be everything that you do now it's forever. Like, no. like, hey, this superintendent, th- this is going to stay with you forever. Your grandkids going to be walking around like, hey, wait, your last name pool? Wait a minute, was that your granddaddy? They took out that ad in the paper. I mean, th- th- these type of things are going to follow you forever. Like the internet is
0: forever, Ursula. Exactly. Well, and exactly. And <laughs> and meanwhile, this is a student who is not getting his right to an education. Right. I mean, he's he's. To make a point, he's ha- having to do his studies by himself. Right, right. He's That's not crazy. getting an education. He's 18. I mean, he's, he's almost graduated. It's like, seriously?
1: Now, I want to just do this because I saw a text come in that says, conservatives are awesome. I got to comment on that now. A lot of my conservative brothers and sisters are texting in, and they disagree with this. So I don't I think this, I don't if think this, this is, be, no, 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 no. This is, this is just some humanity stuff. And there's a lot of people like that. Now you also, you're saying that this is just Texas. Yeah, I know it's Texas, but come on now. Come on. You really? You're just really going to say the quiet part out loud. You're going to really do some of the things that they was doing in the fifties and sixties today. Can't believe that. Come on. Ursula, you ever uh, get kicked out of school or something for your
0: hairstyle? <laughs> matter of fact, Ursula, did you ever get suspended? <laughs> ever? No, do you know, though, in the Philippines, I went to a private school in the Philippines, and yeah. they were very strict about dress code. Oh. They were, yeah. They, well, you went Every, to military school, on. so you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let, let's be real. No. Every school yeah. I've ever attended oh, yeah. has been strict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, no, I've never been kicked out. Yeah. Chef, you ever been kicked out? Or suspended. He's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> really answer okay, that okay, okay, okay. For hair, for hair.
1: I'll I'll, I'll, I'll bail you oh, out.
0: For
1: I'll, hair. I'll bail you out. No, I have never been kicked out or suspended.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: for hair.
1: Nick? No, Nick, I know you ain't never I was been. a golden boy man. I know you were. <laughs> doing everything right. And so was I. Would you would you guys believe I was a
0: golden boy too? I would. Well, wait, you went to military school, not in your house. (laughs) How'd you end
1: up there? (laughs) I had a little smidge of the time. Unruly there. Hey, uh, 10 o'clock hour, give you what's new. We got all types of stuff. Ursula, you know how Ursula loves to have a lot of news. But in there, later on, you got to stick around for this. You can't leave. 30 times. 30 times this man was outside, spotted outside Taylor Swift's Manhattan townhouse. I need you to guess what city is he from? We do that next. Gene Ursula.